I greet all of you in the worthy name of Jesus this morning. It's a privilege to once again meet in the house of God with brothers and sisters who love the Lord. It's a joy to be here. I also welcome all of those who are visiting with us this morning. It's good to have you here. May your time be profitable and may you find it encouraging as well. This is how Jesus ended what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. That's the key. That's the gist, you could say, of those verses. Or, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and decides not to do them. It makes a big difference in the outcome of that life. How we respond to what we hear. How we respond to what we read as we find it here in the word of God. These are verses that were very important to our Anabaptist forefathers. They took the words of Jesus. They took uh, the words of the scripture as very important. And it was their desire to apply those words to everyday living. It was their desire to faithfully apply the scriptures to life. That was important to them. Sometimes I wonder what our Anabaptist forefathers would think if they could take a look into modern day Mennonite culture. Sometimes I wonder what uh, fellows like uh, Conrad Grebel or Felix Mons or Menno Simons would think if they strolled through the campus of Eastern Mennonite University or if they could walk through the dorms at Heston College or if they could sit in at a basketball game uh, at Lancaster Mennonite High School. I wonder what they would think. I wonder what our Anabaptist forefathers would think if they would attend the next session of uh, Mennonite Church USA, which, by the way, I recently was at uh, the convention website for Mennonite Church USA, and I found it very interesting. Um, I didn't look far. But on their, on their home page, the very first picture that came up was a, a concert in, in, in action. <laughs> That's probably a good word. A concert in action complete with smoke and lights and, and, and all the things that resemble a secular rock concert, perhaps. And I scrolled down a little bit further on the home page, and there was a picture of a group enjoying time on the beach together. 
and I uh, scrolled down a little bit further, and there was a, a session that you could attend at one of these conventions of Mennonite Church USA where it was where it encouraged young adults to speak out. Uh, the this name of that session was For the Sake of the Church, Sharing Our Voice and Perspective. And in the picture, there was a girl with bright blue hair, and there was a girl with pink hair, and <laughs> that was the idea that, that was coming across there. We want to let you know what we think church should be like. <laughs> well, then coming much closer home, I wonder what our, our Mennonite forefathers would think if they attended Ebenezer Mennonite Church this morning. Or what Menno Simons might would think if he paid a visit to conference this week in Harrisonburg. I just wonder sometimes what they would think. Would they recognize us? Would they see us as people who have faithfully held up the values that they died for? Uh, could they greet us as brothers and sisters in Christ? Back in the fall of 2004, a Voice of Praise had the privilege of singing at an a cappella festival at Spruce Lake Retreat up in Pennsylvania. And it seemed like most of the people there sort of had to endure our part while they were waiting for kind of the bigger, more exciting groups like GLAD and and a group directed by Keith Lancaster and, and other groups like that that they kind of came for, I guess. Um, nonetheless, one evening as we were sitting there in the dining hall eating our supper, I overheard a conversation just on the, on the next table over that, that I really tuned into. I found it quite interesting. And sitting there at that table was the, the fellow that sings baritone for the group GLAD. And he was asking another fellow there, he said, what are, what are the Mennonites? He, he said, tell me a little bit about the Mennonites. What do the Mennonites believe? He, he, he didn't seem to know anything about the Mennonites. And so immediately I was tuned in. I, I just couldn't wait to hear what this, what this fella would tell him about the Mennonites. And what I heard was very, very disappointing to me. This fella went on to, told him, well, to tell him, well, the Mennonites really aren't any different than any other Christian group out there. Um, you know, they, they, they got their name from their founder. His name was Menno, and, you know, the Mennonites. That's, that's how they got their name. And years ago, the Mennonites, you know, looked a lot maybe like the Amish. But, you know, anymore, they're pretty much just like everybody else. And that was the end of the conversation. That, that was it. And I just sat there thinking, what a lost opportunity. Now, I guess if I would have been bold enough, I would have jumped up and went over and told the guy myself a few things, but I didn't. But I had to think, though, how sad. But yet, at the same time, that fellow was probably just simply telling what he knew. <laughs> and, and that's all he knew, perhaps. I don't know that to be sure, but perhaps... Here a few months ago, uh, Kim and I took the three oldest boys down to Durham to hear the Vienna Boys Choir. And while we were sitting there for the concert to start, uh, this young fella stepped up to us there where we were sitting, and, 
And he said something in a language that, that we didn't understand right off. And we kind of looked at each other and looked at him. And I think he said, can you speak Dutch? I don't know how to say that in Dutch. Something Dutch Schwetzer or something. <laughs> and and, and uh, then he said, uh, do you speak Dutch or are you Mennonites? I forget, something to that nature. And, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we can't speak Dutch. But, yeah, yeah, we're Mennonites. And, and he said, well, I am too. Well, I am too. And, you know, it's one of those moments where you just kind of, oh, okay, really, all right. Um, and then we went on talking, and he said he was from Holmes County, Ohio, and that he's a student there at Duke University, and he's studying this and that. And, and, uh, and, and then he sat just two rows in front of us for the, for the rest of the, uh, for the concert there with, with a girl perhaps from town. I don't know. I didn't recognize her as a Mennonite girl for sure. Perhaps you've had similar situations. Perhaps you've run into uh, times like that when you've met people and, and they've, they've uh, recognized you, but perhaps you didn't recognize them as, as being Mennonite. And, you know, oftentimes my inward response when that happens is, no, you're not. <laughs> you just think you are, you know, or, or you, you should really, you must not know what a Mennonite really is. But then at the same time, I, there's also often, I'd say, a, a nagging question in my mind. And it goes something like this. So, so Josh, then what is a Mennonite? <laughs> if, if, you don't, if you know that they're not, then you should know what one is. <laughs> what, what is. What is a Mennonite then? You're beginning to understand that this is a message that won't be preached across many pulpits in, in this world today, but I feel like it was safe here, and I hope it's beneficial for us. You see, in order for us to know uh, what is not, then it's, first of all, important that we know what is. And so it's a good chance that, that you'll hear someone say, in the coming year, in this year, what is a Mennonite? Or, or why do you wear, ladies, why do you wear that cap on your head? Or, or fellas, why do y'all do this? Or, or can you tell me a little bit about the Mennonites? And so what will you say? Are you ready to give them a, a clear answer? To give them uh, a good stand for where, where we are and why we do what we do? Certainly, we should have a better knowledge of this than most, should we not? We read in 1 Peter 3.15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Be ready. Be ready to give an answer of why you do what you do, why you are the way you are, with meekness and fear. And so this morning, the title of my message is, What Makes a Mennonite? <laughs> what Makes a Mennonite? And I'm drawing some inspiration from this tract here, this gospel tract that we have actually in our racks back here. Uh, Mennonites, who they are and what they believe. And so I'd like to share a little history, first of all, about the Mennonites. And then after that, we'll look briefly at a list of values uh, that faithful Mennonites hold dear. 
And it's my desire that this message can help us with maybe some of the questions we have about ourselves. But it can also help us when others ask us why we do what we do. It's also my sincere desire to develop within us uh, a greater understanding of and a deeper appreciation for the Mennonite faith. Uh, dear people, we are a blessed people. We have a rich heritage, and let us not take it for granted, but let us thank God for it and live it out to the best of our ability. Now, we know that the Christian church uh, was started by Jesus back in the New Testament times, as we would call it. And since then, there has always been a church. But in the 2,000 years or so since Jesus, in the years of the Christian church, it has often drifted, the church has often drifted from God and his word. And there have been times when it has drifted far enough from the teachings of Jesus that it may not have been recognizable as the church of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the situation was like about 500 years ago uh, when the Mennonite church began. The main church in Europe at that time was the Roman Catholic Church, and that was where our Mennonite forefathers were members. That was where they were a part of, the Roman Catholic Church. And the Roman Catholic Church at that time didn't encourage their people to read the Bible. In fact, Latin was used in most of the worship services, and the people couldn't even understand it. And so you had to be educated, really, to understand the truth of Scripture. You know, if you didn't know Latin or Greek or Hebrew, then it was very difficult to enter into a time of worship like that and, and to find fulfillment and blessing in a time of worship. Now, back around the year 1520, there were several men in the Zurich, Switzerland area that were very educated. And they could read their Bible in different languages. And they had a great desire to understand what the Word of God meant. They had a passion for the Word. They wanted to know it. They were students of the Bible, you could say. And that's my prayer for all of us here this morning as well. That we would be not just those who read the Bible, but that we would have a desire to study the Bible out. Okay, I heard this. Is this right? And see what the Bible has to say, realizing that the Bible is the absolute authority on life and practice. But one of these men was Conrad Grebel, and he was a very good Greek student. And then another one of these men were, were, uh, was Felix Mons, and he was more of a Hebrew scholar. And as they read through their Bibles and studied together, they realized that the Roman Catholic Church was not teaching the truth. It was not teaching the truth as found in God's Word. There were problems there. For example, here are some of the problems uh, that these young men were running into. The Bible says that salvation is a gift from God received by faith. The Roman Catholic Church was saying that in order to be saved, 
you have to work for your salvation. There are certain things that you must do to gain salvation. They were reading in their Bibles that we can pray directly to God through Jesus Christ. Well, the Catholic Church was saying that you need to confess your sins to a priest. And as Connor and Felix were, were studying their Bibles, they read that God alone is to be worshipped. But the Catholic Church was encouraging prayer to Mary and, and to the apostles and to different martyrs and, and to uh, angels. The Bible told these young fellows that men must believe before they can be baptized. Well, the Catholic Church was was wanting the babies to be baptized before they could believe or understand. And it goes on and on. Um, the Bible says that there are two places in the future world, the world to come, heaven and hell. The Catholic Church there's a, says there's a third place uh, called purgatory, where if you weren't ready to die in this place called purgatory, you can be prepared <laughs> so, that, so that you don't have to spend time in hell. You can be purged. And another, the Bible says that the word of God alone is the authority for life and for practice. The Catholic Church said that its, its teachings and its traditions were just as important or perhaps more important than the word of God. So these were some of the problems that these young men uh, were, were finding. Uh, they weren't stacking up. As they studied the Bible, and as they compared that to what they were hearing through the church there at the Catholic Church, well, one winter day, it was actually a January 21, which is this week actually, January 21, 1525, a group of these Bible students had gathered together for a time of prayer and Bible study, as they often did. They had been doing this for some time. And by the end of that meeting, they had started a new church, uh, which would later become known as the Mennonite Church. And Conrad Grebel, who was the leader of the group, he baptized George Blarock that, at that meeting. And then George Blarock, he uh, in turn then baptized each of the others who were at that meeting. Now, at the beginning, uh, this new church was referred to as Anabaptist. And, and that, that name means... Um, baptizing again, to baptize again, because I should say that they were mockingly called Anabaptists by those outside. They didn't call themselves Anabaptists. They were, that was their, their name that they were given by those outside because of their stand against infant baptism and their understanding what the Bible says to baptize believers, those who understand and have made a change in life. And then it was sometime later... I'm not sure how much later, but sometimes later, uh, they became known as Mennonites uh, because of the strong and influential leadership of Menno Simons, who many say was probably the, the greatest leader that the Mennonite church has ever had. But Menno Simons traveled around, started many churches, um, and there was great sums of money. If you could catch Menno Simons dead or alive you would be paid large sums of money, and it never happened. He died in his own home, was buried in his own garden next to his house. Um, the Lord was preserving his church and his people. 
And certainly because this group taught many new things or many different things, uh, they were severely persecuted. And many early Mennonites died for their faith. But yet the church continued to grow and grow. And it wasn't long till there was churches in, in many parts of Europe. And it continued to spread and spread. And as the persecution grew, it seems like the churches grew as well. Praise God for that. It wasn't, though, until the late 1600s that Mennonites settled in America and first settled in Germantown, Pennsylvania. Uh, Elvin, do you know where Germantown, Pennsylvania is? Not sure? Okay. I'm not sure either. <laughs> um, but that's what I understand. That was the first uh, permanent settlement for Mennonites in America. Well, that's a very fast overview um, of some history there of, of the Mennonite church and how it came to be. So let's, let's look then. What do faithful Mennonites believe? Or what were the values that our Mennonite forefathers held dearly? What was important to them? As they read the scripture, what was important to them? And so in this tract, there are 30 uh, beliefs listed here. And... And, of course, they all have scripture verses, multiple scripture ver verses uh, to back them up. And, you know, that's where the power is. <laughs> that the scripture behind it is the power that we need today. And so I'm not willing to just get through all 30 points and forfeit the scripture. Uh, no, we just won't get through all the points. But we're going to get through a good many of them. And there won't be a lot of, I won't be giving a lot of explanation or a lot of um, talking about it, but I'll simply be giving uh, the belief that, that was held valuable to them and, and I trust to us today, and then we'll read a little scripture that goes along with it, we'll move on through. I would like to actually give out um, most of these verses and that we can all join in together and be a part of this, and so I'm going to do that right now, and we're just going to start here with Uncle David and just move back through, and I'm going to give out a verse, and you, you nod your head as we, and just go back through, and we'll, we'll take these verses, and I'll call for them at the appropriate time. Uh, Galatians 4, 4 to 6, Uncle Mark, uh, Luke 1, 35, Matthew 1, 21, Morgan, Acts 1, 8, uh, Psalm 119, 160, 2 Timothy 3, 16, James, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Um, next here, Romans 5, 12. Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. Quinn, do you want to take one? Quinn, you can take John 3, 3. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 was, was Carl's and, uh, I mean, was, was Jamie's. And, and Dan, you had Romans, um, you had Hebrews. No, I'm I'm sorry. Dan, you're Hebrews 9, 12 to 14, and Jamie, you're Romans 5, 12. Okay, uh, Arlen, Romans 6, 4, Lucas, uh, Luke 9, 23, and then uh, 1 Peter 5, 5, Matthew 28, 18 to 20, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, John 13, 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 3 to 5. 1 Peter 5, 14. Mark 10, 11 and 12. 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15. 
Matthew 6, 31 to 33. Okay, Norvin. Matthew 5, 44. Kendall, uh, Carver, Carver, okay. Kendall, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Bevan, you want to take that one? Uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 13. One of you ladies want to take it? Lucia, you want to take that one? 1 Corinthians 5, 13. James 2, 15 to 16. Dorcas. And last one, John 5, 28 and 29. Okay. Okay. Now that sounds like a lot of verses. And uh, it is a lot of verses. But like I said, we're not going to expound on them. I'm going to read uh, what, what, the, what the value and belief was. I'm going to ask for your verse, and then we're going to move on through. We want to try to get an overview this morning of what the faithful Mennonite church believes. What were the values that were important to our Anabaptist forefathers? And at a later date, it would be a wonderful idea uh, for me and Dan or for us as a ministry to go through and, and just expound on some of these a couple at a time and give us a better overview of, of really uh, what these things are. Okay, faithful Mennonites believe that the Godhead is composed of three divine persons, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay, Galatians 4, 4-6. Okay, and we have noted there the three persons of the Trinity, God, the Son, and then the Spirit of His Son, the Holy Spirit. Okay, I forgot to mention, when it comes your time to read, just you can stand up, it'll project us a little bit better. Stand to read. Okay, uh, second then, they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, sent from God to be the Savior of mankind, conceived of the Holy Spirit, and born of a virgin. Luke one thirty five. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One is to be born of you, and will be called the Son of God. Okay, and, and also, did I give Matthew one twenty one? Okay, mm -hmm. go ahead and read that. Okay, and then another belief is that the Holy Spirit is personal and divine, Acts 1 8. But you shall receive the power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Mm -hmm. Okay, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. It's, it's a personal factor there that the Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us and empowers us to do the work of the Lord. Fourthly, then, they believe that the Bible in its original form was wholly inspired by God. Psalm 119, 160. Yeah, 119, 160. Thy word is truth from the beginning, and every one of thy righteousness judgment endureth forever. 
Okay. And 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Very good. All scripture is God-breathed, or it's, it's brought by inspiration of God. Very good. Faithful Mennonites believe that God created all things, and by his power he preserves his creation. Uh, Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Colossians 1, 16 and 17. Okay. Uh, no big bang, no evolving, uh, no coming from monkeys, no. The scripture says that we were created by the word of his mouth. By the word of his mouth. Okay, another belief is that sin, sorrow, and death, both natural and spiritual, are results of the fall. Romans 5.12 Okay. We believe that the blood of Jesus Christ shed at Calvary is the only means of salvation from sin. Uh, Hebrews 9, 12 to 14. 12, 13, and 14. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from sin. And that's, that's how we receive salvation. It is through that. It's through the blood of Christ. It's not by any work or by any money that we can buy our way into, into heaven. No, not at all. But we accept it as a free gift and apply the blood of Christ to our lives. Faithful Mennonites believe that to be saved, all accountable persons must believe in Christ Repent of their sins, be born again, and walk in newness of life. And there is the, the holy living aspect that was, very, that was a very big part of the early Anabaptist lives. They believed in that, in a holy life, a life that is lived to the honor and glory of God. Uh, John 3.3. 3. And Romans 6, verse 4.
walking in newness of life. There should be, a, there should be an obvious change from the old man that lived according to the flesh to the new man that now lives according to the spirit that works within us. Holy living. And that's something that was very important and needs to be very important even today in our lives. Okay, the Mennonites believe that self-denial and humility are essential to discipleship. Luke 9, 23. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And 1 Peter 5, verse 5. And faithful Mennonites believe that Christian baptism is commanded and that the mode of pouring symbolizes the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Okay, that's there. We have the command listed, uh, as with as it is with a number of these. Some of some of these have passages to look at that are much longer that we just don't have time for this morning. But I'll note one that has to do with the pouring. Um, it is true that the conservative Mennonite Church, in general, uses the pouring method, and as it's mentioned here in this belief, it symbolizes the pouring out of God's Holy Spirit. The one reference that was given there was uh, the last part of Acts chapter 10, where Cornelius and his household came to faith in Christ, and then the Holy Spirit was poured upon them, and then they said, well, why shouldn't we go ahead and be baptized? Because the Holy Spirit has been poured out upon us already. And so then they baptized him. Uh, you realize that Cornelius and his household were Gentiles. It was a transition time in the time of the early church where Gentiles were now being accepted as sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. So the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on Cornelius and his family and then that of baptism as well. Okay. We believe that the bread and cup in communion are symbols of the body and blood of Christ, not, not part of his blood and part of his body in a literal sense, but they're symbols of the body and blood of Christ. And when received, show a common union of believers with Christ and with one another. 1 Corinthians 10, 16, and 17. Another is that Christ taught both by example and by commandment that feet washing is a religious ceremony and should be observed literally. And, and there we could look at the whole chapter of, of John 13, or at least the whole first 15 or 16 or 17 verses that really give that whole account there. But we'll just notice one verse there, John 13, verse 14. Okay, Jesus gave that example 
I have done it, you also ought to do it as well. And then at the, at the end of that account, he says, happy are ye if you do these things. Okay. Faithful Mennonites believe that Christian women should wear a veiling to signify their acceptance of God's order of leadership in society. And we find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Uh, we'll just read verses 3, 4, and 5. And there have been different styles over the years of, of women's veiling, and, and that ought not be disputed. I think there's more, there's more ways than one to cover the head. Um, but we believe, and it's something that has been uh, a fundamental part of, of Mennonite belief from the very beginning, is that the scripture teaches that a woman's head is to be veiled. Mennonites believe that the kiss of charity should be practiced among believers. And one place we find that is 1 Peter 5, verse 14. Okay. We believe that marriage, the marriage of a believer with an unbeliever constitutes an unequal yoke and is forbidden by God. That the marriage of divorced persons who have former companions living constitutes adultery. And there again, there's various places in Scripture that we read this. Jesus spoke about it, and so I'm, I'm going to two verses there where Jesus actually spoke on it, and that's Mark chapter 10, verses 11 and 12. Mennonites believe that the personal appearance of Christian men and women should be simple and modest, free from worldly fashion and adornment. 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15. Okay. And once again, that word holy has the idea of a separation. It has the idea of being called out. There's a difference. Be holy or, or be separate. Be called out. I think it's in the next verse, that, maybe verse 16, that's, that we read. Uh, be, as it is written, be holy for I am holy. Okay. We believe that as pilgrims and strangers in the world, Christians seek to maintain simplicity in all areas of life. Uh, uh, Matthew 6, 31, 32, and 33. Jesus said, don't be concerned and don't pursue, don't make it a priority pursue, to pursue all these things of life. No, 
He said, that's what the Gentiles do, or, or that's what the unbelievers do. But your priority needs to be in seeking the things of God, first and foremost. And he'll make sure that you have the rest. He'll watch out for you in the other things. Okay, the Mennonites believe that the way of Christian love requires that believers should not take part in any destruction of human life, nor in any acts of personal retaliation or revenge. Matthew 5.44 Okay. It was in that passage where Jesus was saying, it hath been said, or it used to be done this way, but he was bringing in, he was upping the ante, as it were. He was saying, it used to be done this way, but I say unto you, do it this way. Uh, the teachings of Jesus. And he was saying, instead of giving an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth, no. Love them which hate you. Do good for those which persecute you. It's a new way of living. And 2 Corinthians 10, 3 and 4. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds. Okay. The Mennonites believe that the church and government are both ordained of God but are separate entities in his plan, Romans 13, 1 and 2. I think, is that yours, Bevan? Romans 13, 1 and 2. I wasn't sure what you're That's fine. 13, one and two. First two verses, yeah. That every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers, I'm sorry, the powers that be Okay. Faithful Mennonites believe that obstinate sinners within the church or those who refuse to change should be excommunicated. First uh, Corinthians 5:13. I think the verse before that uh, speaks about it. It says, if there's a brother in the church who does this and this and this and this and, and a number of sins listed there, then he needs to go. And, and, you, and you should not even eat with them. And I believe that's probably where the Amish, uh, that they base, they use that uh, for their ban, what is known as the ban or the shunning. Where, and they don't. I mean, to this day, the Amish do not... Uh, for the most part, eat with a brother or a sister or family who has been shunned. So I'm, I'm guessing that's where that is taken from. Here's another. Uh, that Christian disciples are concerned also with human needs, which are physical, emotional, mental, and social. Uh, James 2, 15 and 16. Basically, it's asking a question there, and, and the point is for us then to, to make the conclusion. 
if there's a brother or sister that needs something, and we just say, okay, well, I hope you get it. Um, sorry about that. Have a good day, you know, and we move on. What good have we done? We have not helped at all. In other words, it's saying, help them. It's our responsibility. If there's a brother or sister in need and you see it, then you're responsible to help them. Okay, and last for this morning, the Mennonites believe that Christ will raise the righteous to eternal rewards in heaven and the unrighteous to eternal damnation in the lake of fire. Uh, John 5, 28 and 29. It puts a very much, much of a seriousness on how we live our life today. Now imagine if there was that third place called purgatory. How tempted we would be to live a loose life. What does it really matter? After I die, I can, I can, I can shape up then somehow. I can, I can get cleaned up somehow. And still make it. And we see that attitude in many around us. There's not, they don't clearly see consequences for their actions. But we believe by the truth of scripture that there is a heaven and there is a hell. One, a reward for the godly and one, uh, reward, damnation for the ungodly. It places a responsibility on us today to live a life that pleases the Lord. And I trust that's your desire this morning. Well, I found that very helpful for myself personally as I looked at this here in the, in the recent past. What do we believe? Why do we, why do we do this? Why do we think this way? There's scripture scriptural backing for why we do what we do. May we not take it for granted. And, and I, I challenge you too, if you'd like, there's plenty of these, these tracks back here in our rack. You would find them very helpful for yourself, and it also is a great thing to keep in your car or, or on the job or somewhere. If someone asks you, you can share a little bit and then say, hey, here's something that would give you, if you have some time, you can look at it in more detail. Uh, it's, it's a great way to to make conversation and, and to answer some questions as well. So what makes a, a Mennonite today? What makes a faithful Mennonite today? And I'll just say, in a nutshell, faithful Mennonites believe that the only spiritually successful life, a life that pleases God, is a life that is lived by the power of God in obedience to the Scripture. It's lived by the power of God through obedience to the scripture. Faithful Mennonites strive to take seriously the teachings of Jesus and the apostles. They take them seriously. They take them literally, asking questions like, what if Jesus really meant every word he said? And Dean Taylor has kind of maybe coined that, that question and made it popular. He's given a number of seminars and talks with that sort of in focus. What if Jesus really meant every word he said? And if you think through that, that can be powerful in how you interpret life. Mennonites, faithful Mennonites, put an emphasis on holy living. 
And faithful Mennonites believe that a life that pleases God is possible only through a continuing fellowship with Him. It's a daily commitment. It's a daily walk. It's that choice day in and day out to say, Yes, Lord, I I submit to You in my life, and I want to do Your will. I want to do Your work. It's a daily commitment. So, what about you and, and what about me this morning? Can we honestly claim the name of Mennonite? And and I trust we can. I trust we can. And it's my prayer this morning that this message can help to fortify our position, to strengthen what remains, to strengthen what is here now, but that it can also renew our appreciation for the Mennonite faith. And so may God be glorified in our life and in our church for years to come. We'll call for a song this time.